0: happier, and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here
1: on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. We made it, kids. We made it. It's Friday. Big weekend on tap for Mississippi State as the uh, Bulldogs will welcome the University of Georgia for a men's basketball game on Saturday. The Mississippi State ladies win last night. We'll break that down. And kind of look ahead to Monday's matchup with number one South Carolina. That's uh that's going to be a tall task for this young Bulldog team. It's a uh, it's a bitter rivalry, it really is. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. We're going to have a chance to meet with Vic Schaefer uh, later today, so you can look for video content of uh, Vic's comments about the uh, ball game for Monday night against South Carolina. I want to thank you too for your support of the Boneyard and the support of our sponsors. So many of you have contacted me about great experiences that you've had at Bulldog Burger Company. I can't tell you what that means to me because I enjoy partnering with people of good quality. That's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. Now, with two locations to serve you in Starkville here on University Drive and in Tupelo, Mississippi, on Gloucester Street. Go in, have the spring rolls. I've told you they'll make you and everybody around you better looking, and we need the world to be a more beautiful place. Find your own favorites at Bulldog Burger Company. The great restaurant-quality hamburger is one of those fine delicacies in life you just you just simply can't pass on. That's exactly what you're going to get there. I am still kind of partial to the pimentology, add bacon, but you go find your own favorites. But if you just want a straight-ahead, good rock-and-roll hamburger, go get the Bulldog. You'll never go wrong getting the Bulldog. Great fries, great service, great people, great food. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. I have a lot that I want to talk about today, and so I don't know how long we go, but we're going to get a lot in today. So let's start talking about last night's women's basketball game. I told you guys that LSU was good enough to come in here and beat Mississippi State if we didn't play our best basketball. Well, here's the deal. Uh, We didn't play our best basketball, but we still found a way to gut it out late and win the ball game. This is a better LSU team than we have seen in recent years. Now That said, Mississippi State's now won seven in a row in the series against LSU. Now, a few years ago, I don't think any of us foresaw that coming. We had lost nine in a row in the series to LSU, finally get over that hump, and have had the better of the series for some time now and really, for much of that ball game, it looked like Mississippi State was still head and shoulders better than Uncle Hugh. And then, listen, Nikki Vargas, their credit, they did a great job turning things around, made it rather interesting. So, let's look at the numbers here. Jessica Carter played the full 40 minutes. That's, uh, that's big minutes for a five player on the men or women's side but 40 minutes for Jessica Carter, run up down the floor, uh, 13 points, 11 rebounds, and uh, had the four fouls, and you some I think late she got a little bit fatigued, but uh, she has come a long way in her physical fitness, and she is available to Mississippi State on the floor more times than not. Good night for her. You're getting a double-double out of your five-player, it's going to be a big night. Now, we didn't play good defensively down low, and some of that, can be attributed to some of the four players. There were a couple times that I saw that uh, Vic Schaefer visibly upset with Chloe Billy he pulled her off the floor after she got beat a couple times times backdoor. She did a good job on some of that dribble penetration. And as the five player or the post player would step up, they would uh, you know, do a backdoor cut there for a wide open layup. And that, that really gave state some trouble. Chloe plays just uh 11 minutes, 31 seconds on the night, uh, pitches in a couple of points. Just wasn't her night. Wasn't a great matchup for her. Maya Taylor, I thought, had a pretty good night, especially in the defensive end. She goes just under 36 minutes. Two of nine from the field, three of four from the line, and free throws were a big issue for both teams last night. Uh, but, you know, Maya gets three rebounds, seven points, four assists, just the one turnover, and had a big steal. And really, I, I really thought she. Made some things happen offensively that I don't know that she has done consistently, but the the LSU guards had a lot of t- difficulty staying in front of her. And so she used that to her advantage and kind of created for her teammates and some things that perhaps don't show up in the box score, even as an assist. She kind of forced the action last night. And I really thought she looked to be a lot more decisive as the point guard. She is really maturing as a player. Perhaps the story of the night, Andra Espinosa-Hunter, her most extensive minutes of the season, certainly in conference play, 37 minutes for her. Five of nine from the floor. She did miss two three-pointers. got to get that going. We, we, we didn't make a single three-pointer last night, not just Andy, but nobody. She missed all three of her free throws and uh, didn't pull down any rebounds, but uh, did have 10 points and played a much better uh, game defensively than she has played recently, Vic Schaefer shared with us in the post postgame that he had a meeting earlier this week to let Andy know that he had not lost confidence in her. I think that's an important you know, meeting because, it, to me, it, there were times in the SEC play it looked like Andy looked defeated on the floor, like she was in and expected to be called out at any moment. Uh, Vic said he needed to rebound a little bit more and said, you know, the team has got to do a better job on the glass. They're so used to sitting back and watching Tierra McCowan and Andre O'Howard uh, do all the work down low well they're not here anymore they're not walking through that door as the kids like to say but uh andy no rebounds last night but i did think she played with a lot more enthusiasm than she has in recent games jordan danbury a night for her 7 11 from the floor and i'll tell you for the first two and a half quarters of this ball game she was getting to the rim with impunity i mean there was nothing to stop her and then eventually uh, they began to kind of rotate over and forced him to give the basketball up. We were getting to the rim whenever we wanted to because they simply couldn't stay in front of our guards. We beat them in transition over and over and over again, and they finally uh, made the adjustment there. Rakia Jackson did not practice all week. She goes out there with limited, limited work in this week, uh, 28 minutes of action, three of nine from the floor, two of four from the line. Did get in a little bit of foul trouble, uh, eight total points, a little bit beneath her average, which has been uh, of interest lately on social media. Uh, the minutes that, w- that were allocated to Andy Espinosa Hunter kind of came at Zaria Wiggins' expense. You know, and has been playing pretty well, but um, to get Andy going, I think is big for this team. We have got to be able to develop a consistent outside threat. In order to get better spacing on the floor and open things up for the guards, we have got to be able to get Chloe Bibby and Andy Espinosa going from outside. That's one of the things last year that really hurt us. While we were, we were monsters down low, teams could sag on Tierra McCowan, and, and then when we got later into the year, into the tournament, we couldn't consistently shoot from outside, and everything was kind of a mid-range game and in, and that uh, just allowed people to pack it in. And the nights that we couldn't hit those shots down low, we were in trouble. And let's be real honest right here. I mean, I, I saw some comments on social media, too, and I think it's important that we address them. Mississippi State fans need to kind of temper expectations for this team this year. And I think that Monday ball game against South Carolina will probably do a lot to kind of reel in some of our uh, irrational exuberance at times. Uh, we, we have played pretty well at times. If we play Monday night like we did last night, we'll get beat by 20, 25 points. You know, number one, South Carolina is at home. Number two, South Carolina does not like Mississippi State. And you know, they, they, they kind of had the better of the rivalry for a while. You know, People forget. You know, a couple of years ago, they, they beat us for an SEC regular season championship. They beat us for an SEC tournament championship. And then they beat us for a national championship. I think some people forget that. You know, then we get into, you know, our run, you know, here a couple years ago. We get back to the National Championship game that we should have won. But you remember that electric Monday night in Starkville back in February when we finally got over the hump and beat South Carolina? and, And our students were so incredibly good. And we won a regular season championship. And you just kind of felt like, you know, whoever won that game was going to win the thing. And we did. But you know what? South Carolina came back and beat us in the SEC tournament. And that was uh, yeah, the, the best team in, in Mississippi State women's basketball history. We go 37-2 and two on the season. And we lose to South Carolina in the SEC tournament championship game and then lose to Notre Dame in the national championship game. The greatest women's team we've ever had. So then we come back last year, and I don't know if somebody was just having a little fun with us, Or just trying to add a little joy to the game. We got to play South Carolina twice last year, and uh, so they come to the hump. We beat them eighty-nine to seventy-four. And if you recall, that was the Chloe Bibby game. And to give Don Staley credit, I mean, she was the first person on the floor when when Chloe went down. She recognized it, went out there, and I know that it is not popular in Starkville to like Don Staley. I personally like Don Staley. I, I don't. I probably wouldn't hang out with Dawn Staley, but I'll tell you, she is a great women's basketball coach. Does she get a little fiery in her rhetoric sometimes? She absolutely does. But I think the ultimate compliment as a competitor is to say, you know what, I really don't want to play them. Now, I want to beat them. I do. But given the choice between uh, South Carolina and the rest of the SEC, I'd much rather play the rest of the SEC because you understand the quality of opponent that South Carolina is going to put on the floor with Don Steadley calling the shot. She is among the greatest women's basketball coaches of this generation. That's, that's, this how it is. But we got the better of them last year. We win. We had a chance to celebrate our, our second SEC championship title in their arena. And if you don't think they have circled this game on the calendar, because they missed their chance to get back at Mississippi State in the SEC tournament, you know, because they they have had, they have won that consistently. And then last year they get upset, and uh, Mississippi State wins the SEC tournament for the first time. And it's so funny that South Carolina fans are so hung up on who wins that tournament. I you know, the SEC tournament is for seeding for the NCAA tournament. It is not the SEC. I don't know why that's difficult. It's like almost baseball people in South Carolina, women's basketball people don't seem to understand that. The winner of the SEC, the SEC champion, is the winner of the regular season title. That is more difficult to do. That is one of the reasons that it has more prestige. Anybody can get hot over a weekend, especially in basketball. And so the tournament championship is great, but it is not. As important as the regular season championship. That's one of the reasons that you hear so many of these commentators that will tell you, you know, that, you know, let's say Duke or North Carolina don't win the ACC tournament and it doesn't change their standing as the one seed because what you've done over the, the course of your season is what people evaluate you on. Now, if you're a bubble team or you're a team that's like in contention to maybe play your way into a better seed, the tournament means more. The conference tournament is not to be all end all, but, if, but I, I guess when that's what you're winning, you know, you've got to find a way to win your argument, but the bottom line is this, is a lot of people say, well, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State are rivals, and we always will be in every sport, but the real rivalry that matters in the SEC and women's basketball is between Mississippi State and South Carolina. I am not optimistic about that game on Monday night. If that game was played in Starkville, I would think, you know, maybe we've got a chance, but, uh, we did not look well last night. We did we did not look like a team that was ready to go take on the number one team in the country. Vic's got the weekend to get it right. Uh, they'll leave on Sunday and go up there and practice in the morning and and uh, we'll go see what happens. But uh, <clears throat> there won't be anybody in Columbia, South Carolina, except for the handful of Mississippi State fans that make the trip that are gonna be nice to Mississippi State. This is this, trust me. When we went up there and won that SEC championship last year and clenched it and, and removed all doubt in their building, and that's one of those things too, when you remove people's arguments, because it's like, you know, well, yeah, we split with them or whatever. We won the deal. We went in there and beat them at their place, a place that has not been very kind to us. But there won't be anybody being hospitable to Mississippi State Monday night. It's going to be a real challenge for our coaching staff. It's going to be a real challenge for our players because we've got some young players that have never seen anything like they're going to see when they take that trip to South Carolina on Monday. And I'm not trying to knock our team or Vic Schaefer or or, or anybody like that in in any stretch of the imagination. But I'm just trying to point out that uh, that is going to be, that trip to Colonial Life Arena is going to be, the most difficult challenge that we have faced this year, without a doubt. I remember what a big deal it was. I remember last year we thinking, you know what, we've got to win that game at South Carolina at the end of the year just to kind of remove all doubt. You know, Tierra had 18 points. Andy Espinosa, big night. Big, big night against South Carolina. Played 35 minutes, 17 points, pretty good brand of defense. Yeah, but she, we're going to need her to get her going. we got to get her going from outside because that's going to change everything with a space on the floor. Jordan Danbury had a pretty good ball game that night. She's going to have to have a great one this time. Going to have to have a great one. We're Going to have to get scoring from all five spots on the floor. We didn't necessarily have that last night. And, again, it's one of those things, too, I, I, let's not undervalue LSU here. This is a good LSU team one of the better teams that Nikki Fargas has had. And I think she is a well of a coach. Love her to death. I think she's great. I'd like to have her here at Mississippi State. You know, if uh, if we haven't have, have an open I wouldn't trade her for Vic. My point being is if Vic decided to retire, um, Nikki would be on the short list. They play a very physical brand of basketball. And I thought Ayana Metro gave us a lot of trouble last night. She really, really did. Number five for them, ten of twelve from the floor. And one of the ones you missed was just one of those just rolled around the rim and rolled off. Not good from free throws, but 12, 12 rebounds, 22 points, and really got out there and forced the action. Mississippi State defenders found her eight times. Eight times. Kept find their way to get to the line, find their way to force the action. South Carolina's going to do some of that, too. They're going to try to go in there, and they're going to score. And that's the thing Vic Schaefer brought up last night about, you know, from the four and five positions, that she really gave us some trouble. We're not used to that because we're used to having Tiara McCowan and Shenway Corey down low, then getting there and bang and, and play defense. You don't lose a generational player like Tiara McCowan and get better in the post. I do think Jessica Carter is going to be a star. I think she has all American type potential for next year. She's getting there. But this weekend is going to be a, a big weekend for Vic to kind of get the ladies ready because Uh, It's one of those like women's basketball in some pockets of the conference is still kind of a novelty. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you kind of go when they're playing well, you know, and, um, you know, a big opponent comes to town, you know, at Mississippi state and South Carolina people come all the time. It doesn't matter who you're playing. They're going to come out and they're going to play a ball game. And and listen, you can go look at uh, Robbie Fox mentions on Twitter with South Carolina fans. All he did was correct a false graphic that South Carolina basketball put out about freshman scoring. The next thing you know, uh, he's inundated with South Carolina fans on Twitter that apparently can't understand basic math. But but my point being is that these people are very passionate about the program. They don't like Mississippi State. That's okay. I kind of like not being liked. I want everybody to think that we're their rival. But it's a big ballgame for sure. It is a big ball game, and remember, people didn't expect. I think state was picked third in the SEC this year. You know, Texas A&M is struggling a little bit right now. You know, so we've got a chance possibly to finish second and probably play our way into some good things. And and as I shared last night, you know, the thing about the ladies' are is it's, it's all going to depend on matchups. We will get better as the year goes on. I mean, we're we're sixteen and two and four zero in the league. Okay, so we we will we're going to be in the in the NCAA tournament. Got a chance to do some things uh, that'll be big. And then it'll depend on matchups in a tournament. You know, we might get advanced for Sweet 16. I don't know that we could advance beyond that because I don't know if we're good enough outside and if we're consistent enough on the inside. I think we're getting there. I think we're probably a year away. This is going to be a really good year for Mississippi State, but I think people need to pump the brakes thinking we're going to contend for a national championship this year. I don't think we're quite ready there. But I think ball games like they're going to play Monday night will get them ready, win or lose. Going into a hostile environment like that, that, that those, those are the kind of things that build that esprit de corps. Mississippi State men are back in action uh, tomorrow. They'll be taking on the University of Georgia, as we talked about earlier. It's a big, big, big game for the on the men's side, to say the least. Uh, Mississippi State now one in three in the SEC. Georgia. This is a good Georgia team, not a great one. They are an improved team from a year ago. 11 and 5 overall, 1 and 2 in the conference and 1 and 2 away from Athens. They'll be in the hump. Need a big crowd. Students, you know that I love you. Two of my own are among your number. They love going to basketball games. I love all you folks out there and every time we walk off the court, I'm always so impressed with your with with your energy. Because the hump, the hump kind of goes as our students do, and maybe that's the case everywhere. But uh, students love you guys. Need you to come out there and, and make this thing um, pretty wild, because we're going to need we're going to need the energy to say the least. Running down the Georgia schedule here, they have. Uh, let's just say they haven't played the most difficult schedule but they have played some teams that are, that are decent teams. They've had to play to win. It seems like everybody gets invited to some tournament in the beginning of the year. Well, they were Maui on the mainland, played in the Stagman Coliseum. Don't know why that's Maui, but, but whatever. They take care of Delaware State, and then they beat Georgia Tech in a close one. They go on the road to Hawaii in the Maui Gym Invitational they get drilled by Dayton. They lose to Michigan State, a much more competitive game, but they still lose the ballgame. And then they find a way to beat Chaminade uh, to close out their Hawaii trip. Come back. They take down take down North Carolina Central with ease. Get absolutely drilled in Tempe by Arizona State, 79-59. They squeak by SMU, 87-85. They take down Georgia Southern. They beat Austin Peay. Um, Memphis, That was a big win. They go into the FedEx Forum and take down Penny's Bunch, 65-62. That was was a huge game. Then they lose to Kentucky. They lose to Auburn by 22 at Auburn. Then they beat uh, Tennessee, uh, 80-63. And so they're feeling good about life, but they're having to go on the road again. The road has not been kind to them. We have to make it a very, very, very difficult place for them to play. Uh, looking at the numbers here, kind of the, the, the guys to keep up with. There are a lot of players out here that um, you know have some experience that uh, they're going to come in here and not be you know intimidated by a uh, big environment. You know Anthony Edwards is a guy that uh, you know has been around a few 24 hours. Gets a lot of minutes. He started all 16 games. One of uh, two players that have started every game for them. Uh, leads them in, in minutes played among the starters. But uh, you know, he, he is a guy that's going to get out and make things happen. 19.1 points per game, pulling down around five boards. It's a kid that can really play. Uh, one of the guys that uh, might be somewhat limited is freshman uh, Severe Wheeler out of Houston, Texas. He is a guy that has played extensively. Gets injured in the game against Tennessee, will likely be a uh, game time decision. Came down, turned an ankle. Uh, The latest media opportunity out of Georgia says they're just, they're really, you know, they're going to continue to rehab him and it's going to be a, you know, something they kind of monitor. He's day to day like the rest of us. So we'll see. But uh, he is an energy guy, for them to say the least. It's a very, very, very young but talented team. Anthony Edwards is one of those guys, too that um, that was a big, big recruiting win for them. I think a lot of people thought that perhaps he would go somewhere else, but he has come in and and lived up to expectations. And so, again, this is a team that is capable of coming to Humphrey Coliseum and getting a win. Mississippi State can ill afford to allow that to happen. As we have discussed many times on this show, the margin for error for Mississippi State basketball is very, very thin. We have played ourselves into the corner pretty early in the conference schedule. Again, Mississippi State now 1-3 and in the league. Looked really good against Missouri. If State comes out with that same fire, tomorrow night we're going to win a basketball game. It's as simple as that. If we come out there clicking the way that we did, especially on the offensive end, we're going to win a basketball game handily but it's going to be one of those games too. Where we can't afford to come out there and get behind and start chasing the game. Can't get out of our flow. Can't get out of our offense. But again, this is a stand. We said that we've absolutely, absolutely got to win two out of three. We need all three, but we have to win two of the three. You got to get fat. while the food's being served on the home, home court. And that's what's going to happen. If we can win these next two ball games, Georgia and Arkansas, then we'll, see, then we'll worry about the rough stuff. We're in a situation now where we can't overlook anybody. This is a Georgia team, too, that's capable of coming in here and beating Mississippi State. This is not you – know, you remember the game last year against Georgia? That was the uh, the stuffed bear game. Remember the free throw game? We were going to win the game anyway. But the kid throws the, uh, the stuffed animal on the floor and it caused all that controversy and all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and then you know we missed the free throw intentionally after that to run the clock out, and everybody they, they were going to win the ball game. the kid cost them the game, and he didn't. It was entertaining, but going down the stretch last year, we thought, you know what, we're we're a much better team than them, and so we'll just go down there and run them off the court, and we didn't. It went down to the final seconds. So Georgia's going to come through with some confidence. I'm sure they're going to think, you know what, we're a little more talented than we were last year, a little more experienced. We're going to have a chance to go beat Mississippi State. They're not going to come in here and be afraid of the Bulldogs, I can assure you. By now, you are well aware that running back Colin Hill will return for his senior season, as will Errol Thompson. Linebacker Willie Gay, not expected back. I understand he has already signed with an agent. Paul Jones was really all over that, reported that pretty much as it happened, that uh, he had signed with an agent. Uh, and so that's the information that we all have is that, uh, that he's gone. And listen, I want to make sure – let's clarify a couple things about Willie Gay. Willie Gay made some mistakes at Mississippi State, but he paid for them. And, and I don't think that uh, Mississippi State fans need to look at Willie Gay in a negative light. Uh, I really believe that uh, did he, did he did make some mistakes, but he did a lot of great things at Mississippi State too. He was part of an elite defense in 2018. And when he was able to get on the field this year, he was an emotional leader of that defense. I wish Willie Gay the best. I hope that um, he will have the opportunity to go to the NFL Combine. If he doesn't, I know that he'll have the pro day here because he is a freak of an athlete. He's the guy that will really flash, given the opportunity to go to that Combine. And my hope is that he has a long and uh, prosperous NFL career that will make himself, his family, and his hometown very, very happy. And all of you, I think, I hope all all of you will will be proud of him. We all do some silly things at times. And, uh, again, I think that sometimes Willie Gay has been uh, painted in in the uh, role of a villain. I don't know that's necessarily fair. But uh, he will not be part of the Mississippi State football program going forward. Errol Thompson will return, and I really think that's probably the best decision because Errol Thompson obviously uh, had postseason surgery, still working back from that. So he is not 100% right now, probably would not be 100% Uh, for the pre-draft workouts, probably in his best interest, not to mention this year. He played behind a very inexperienced defensive front. It's tough to keep those guards off of him. When when you don't have a guy like Jeff Simmons up there just kind of eating up space and taking up double teams and opening up gaps for you, it's going to be different. But he was still the leading tackler at Mississippi State. I don't know that he was quite as explosive because I don't know that the opportunities presented themselves. I think he had to be a little more cerebral this year, kind of reading and diagnosing plays. And finding ways to get in there and make plays, uh, whereas when he had uh, you know Sweat and Simmons up there, they occupied so much attention, he had some free running lanes to go in there and make some big plays. And so we'll see what happens with him this year. But I'm, I'm happy that he's back. Kyron Hill being back, I don't think that's a huge surprise. I know when he first declared, there was the whole discussion of well, if he doesn't sign with an agent, he can come back. Once he decided to play in the ball game, it's funny how it all works out. He likes to play in the ball game. Wanting to get one more win and having a chance to get that single season record. Now, I don't know if they're going to get enough carries next year to get the single season record because we're going through an offensive change in of philosophy. But what I do believe is the two things that Kylin Hill needs to work on his pass protection and receiving the ball out of the backfield. He'll get a chance to do tons of that. Not to mention, I think if you're Mike Leach and you've got a guy like Kylin Hill and you're going to be able to spread the field and provide him a little more room to run where people can't stack the box, I think you probably find a way to get him the ball. A lot more. Whether you hand it to him, throw it to him, or whatever, I think you find a way. And that's another thing, too. I don't know that, that Mike Leach has ever had a running back like Kylan Hill. I don't think he's had a guy that uh, even really challenged for the, uh, the conference lead in rushing. So the biggest recruiting win of the early going is Mike Leach getting Kylan Hill to come back for his senior season. That changes the, the dynamic of a lot of things. Having Kyle Hill back makes you a better football team. And everybody knows it. And so uh, it's interesting. You know, Mississippi State is the two early declarations. Cameron Dancer, we knew coming in this year that Cam Dancer was going to go pro. And then all the talk was is that Willie Gay would, would kind of flirt with the notion, but probably come back. And I think with all the things that happened with him this year, I think he's just kind of ready to move on. And that's okay. That's okay. And so you've got those two early declarations and you've got some other guys out there that'll, that'll probably get some camp invites. I think guys like Brian Cole could probably test well and do well at a pro day and maybe play their way into a late round selection. I think Jaquarius Landrews is a guy that'll certainly go to camp with somebody. We'll see what happens with some of the receivers and, and uh, some of those older guys, but uh, you know they'll all have an opportunity to do something. What's interesting when we talk about the, uh, the early declarations, and I know um, we all enjoyed the... Uh, national championship game on Monday. Uh, one of the reasons I was so happy that uh, they played that game on Monday is we could all watch it and, and we can be sure that those you guys are leaving. You know, one of the things I think you have to give Ed Orgeron a lot of credit for is that Ed kind of took a step back in many respects when it came to in-game coaching at LSU. He became more of the CEO type, came the motivator, came the recruiter. And then he went out and surrounded himself with great coaches and kind of stayed out of their way. And now they've all kind of coached their way into uh, to better jobs. Dave Aranda recently announced his new, new op- uh, head coach at Baylor. Uh, Joe Brady leaving LSU as the passing game coordinator, which is really code for offensive coordinator, uh, and now headed to Carolina Panthers to be their offensive coordinator. Joe Brady was this, this straw that the straw that's stirred to drink from play-calling standpoint, but it was a perfect marriage for he and Joe, Joe Burrow. I don't know that we'll ever see a season as perfect as this one. And I don't know. I, I've, I've heard the debates. I don't know if you can call LSU the greatest college football team of all time. I think some of those old Miami teams, Mike, could, uh, could make that argument. There's even some Ohio State teams that could probably make an argument. But this is – statistically, this is the best offensive team I think we've ever seen. And it wasn't an elite defense. And that's the thing, too, is when you you think about LSU, you always think about how strong they are on defense. And listen, they had some guys that can really run. I'm I'm not being critical of LSU's defensive efforts. But they were not an elite defense. They were a good defense, probably at times a great defense. But they weren't a shut-down-everybody type defense and you go win a ballgame 13-10. That wasn't who they were. You could score a little bit on LSU. And they still beat some of the greatest teams in college football by 20 points or more this year. But LSU fans need to enjoy it. A lot's changed. A lot's changed this week. And I'm sure they can uh, comfort themselves in the glow of the national championship. When you begin to run down the list here, Justin Jefferson, gone. Sadiq Charles, gone. Adrian McGee, McGee, gone. Lord Cushenberry, gone. Damian Lewis, gone. That's four starters on the offensive line that are gone. Still waiting to hear what tight end Thaddeus Moss will do. Quarterback Joe Burrow is gone. Uh, Running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is gone. They're still going to return a couple of really quality receivers. Don't get me wrong. Jamar Chase will be back. Terrence Marshall will be back. But they're losing a ton on offense. They've even got, you know, several seniors, you know, on the two deep that'll be moving on as well. Those are the things you look at, and you begin to kind of say, okay, well, what's it going to look like next year? Yes, they have some talent, but it is going to be a much different year in Baton Rouge next year. Defensively, the hits have just kept on coming. Uh, Glenn Logan, defensive end, that he's he's a guy that a lot of people you know have kind of had an eye on to wonder, okay, well, is he, uh, is he a guy that's got a, an opportunity to go pro? But uh, he is going to return for his senior season, but he is among the few with that opportunity that have elected to return. Uh, defensive end Rashard Lawrence was a senior. Patrick Queen has gone pro. And all three of the uh, starting linebackers at LSU have declared for the draft. Not a senior among that group. All very talented. Patrick Queen, uh, Jacob Phillips, and uh, Clavion Chasson uh, announced today. He was a redshirt sophomore. He's coming out. Senior Christian Fulton, gone. Grant Dupin, who I think is a first-round draft pick, gone. Even though he wasn't healthy much of the year, he's gone. So you'll return Derek Stingley, who's an All-American. You'll return, return Jacoby Stevens, who is probably a little bit unheralded in that secondary. But you only got a handful of starters returning on defense. It's going to be a difficult year in many respects for LSU. They've got plenty of talent. Don't forget they got John Emery waiting in the wings out there running back. They're, they're gonna, they'll be a ball team. Trust me. I've seen some people say, oh, they're going to win four games next year. And they're going to win more than four games. They, there's, there's still a ton of talent on that roster. But the big loss is Joe Burrow. The big loss is Joe Brady. You can go back to what you were. You know, it's like you, you capture, you know, that magic in a bottle. And uh, you wish you could save it forever. I don't think, that you know, if we win a national championship in football, I won't even care if we play football the next year. You know what I'm saying? I'll spend the next two years just talking trash, you know. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. It's, it's a different day and time in the SEC. And not just for, for LSU and Mississippi State. It's going to be for, for pretty much everybody in the West. You know, Alabama and LSU are both going to have brand new quarterbacks. And this is an opportunity you you kind of look at and say, okay, well, well, Texas A&M, you know, Jimbo, if you're ever going to do it, you got to do it now. And uh, you get the more favorable schedule. You know, you drop Clemson, you pick up Colorado, and you pick up Vandy. You know, so you begin to think, okay, we've been a 7-5 and team. Maybe we can get the nine wins. Maybe we can get the 10 wins. You know, that's what you don't – you know, you got to go – I think LSU goes back to college Station next year. You know, and so – uh, that's the, the big, big ball game to say the least. You know, Alabama, it's a different year that, you know, they're going to be replacing these running backs Going to be replacing, uh, you know, Tua. yeah, I think Mac Jones has been a good player for them, but, uh, he's not the magic man. You know, he'll, he'll do some big things for them, but, uh, you got some other players that leave that you know, defense had some young players on them, but they're going to return some guys. And I don't ever worry about Alabama. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're, they're so consistently, Dominant as a recruiting force, they're going to have a lot of guys come back. They're going to be able to contribute. They've got guys who have been waiting for their opportunity that could start the other programs. You know, Auburn finished the year nine and four this past year. They're, they're going to have some guys moving on as well. Uh, you know, especially in that offensive line. You know, they're going to lose four starters on the offensive line. They're going to lose Cam Martin at the running back, but you know, Booby Whitlow will be back. I'm a Booby Whitlow fan, I think he can really play but it's going to be a different rebuild than offensive line. They'll figure it out. And also, if you know this, J.B. Grimes moving on from Auburn. The defensive front over there, I think that Auburn front seven, probably the best in the conference this year. Marlon Davidson is gone. Derek Brown is gone. And I'm happy to see him gone. Three starters in the secondary gone. You know, So that Auburn front, very difficult to run against. Gilded Auburn secondary also had some veterans back there. So it's going to be a different year for them too. But when I look at this AM stuff, they're bringing almost everybody back. You know, and so while they weren't a great team, you know, old wins in college. Veteran teams win ball games in college. And so I think State will be better on defense, and then I think you get better on offense just because you have the element of surprise. You've still got – obviously got to figure some things out There'll be some growing pains, obviously, offensively. But I think Mike Leach is such a great offensive coach. He'll find a way to put points on the board, just as Dan Mullen did. I mean, that's the thing, too. We were so woefully inept on offense under Sylvester Croom. When Dan Mullen got here, he took those same players and scored points. Should have gone to the ballgame the very first year. If we had known to uh, challenge a play against Houston, where Tyson Lee was called for throwing the ball across the line of scrimmage, we'd go to a ballgame in the first year. We make a tackle on special teams against LSU. We go to a ball game the first year. We're able to score points, and, and people forget too that freshman wide receiver group back in 09. Chris Smith, Chad Bumpus, Arcedo Clark. Those guys won a ton of football games, and all started as freshmen. And so, we'll be better. Uh, and I think we'll, obviously we'll have a we'll have we'll kind of have a clue on defense now. We're still figuring out the whole defensive coordinator piece. I know people are kind of waiting for for me to talk about that. Uh, I, I did think we were kind of closing on a hire earlier this week with, uh, with Ryan Walters from, uh, from Missouri, but that has not come to fruition, nor do I expect it to come to fruition, but uh, we'll, we'll get a quality defensive coordinator. I am not worried about that. I do think this, the LSU change with the Randall getting in the Baylor job uh, might complicate things for a day or two, but we'll get things handled. I've I have a ton of confidence that Mike Leach will put together a great staff. The offensive coaches are already here bringing the offensive staff intact bringing the strength and conditioning program intact bringing the special teams coordinator from washington state and so now it's just about finishing up on defense and those are important hires and i know that's one of the reasons that you guys have so many questions about it it's because in fact you understand we're going to be able to score points but mike leach teams historically have not been great defensive teams they get overshadowed by the offense maybe it's a brand of offense that he runs or the fact that you're going to be scoring quickly and where's the defense down. So it's big. We gotta have some we gotta have a big high there and we will. But I also think it's important to realize too the years that Mike Leach's teams have been good on defense. Not great on defense, not even elite on defense, but just good. They've won double digit games. Go back two years ago, they won eleven games with Gardner Minshew, grad, grad transfer quarterback, and a pretty good defense. That's what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for that magic in a bottle. And I think when you look at the schedule for Mississippi State next year, the way things set up, I mean, listen, you, you, it's difficult to win in this league every time you go on the road. That's just the reality of life. The rest of the story is, is if you know that you're going to have lesser talent, like Alabama and LSU, you know, I I, I think you they're going to always probably be consistently ranked ahead of Mississippi State in recruiting. But when you look at LSU and the talent transition last year and the fact that they're going to have a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, they're going to be a little more vulnerable than they have been in years past. I, you know, We're going to be going through some of that too. So I don't know if we can take full advantage, especially down there at their place. But that's one of those teams I think you look at and say, okay, well, we, we might have more of a chance than ordinarily we would have. Uh, I don't know that I like getting to Arkansas earlier because I kind of like getting that layup late in the year, but, uh, it is a schedule too that I think it's advantageous to Mississippi state. I think you can roll the football out there and go out there and have some big ball games, do some big things with the team. And, uh, let, let's just kind of run that down real quick here before we get out of here. I think there's a couple of things we had we to talk about, but I like our schedule. I I didn't like the way our schedule set up this year. I, I think it's going to be an interesting October. Um, we got to find a way to win a ballgame in October. But, you know, you open up at home against New Mexico, against a dreadful New Mexico team. We ought to be able to go out there and put up a ton of points just by being vanilla. Then we go to NC State. One of the things I like about this deal, I don't really care about going on a road. I'm looking forward to the trip. But uh, they're not going to really know how we're going to utilize our personnel yet. I, I think getting them early is big. I think the fact that we have played – some road games uh, last year. Uh, we won't be overwhelmed by that environment up there. But uh, it is going to be interesting. But I, I kind of like getting them early. I think we can hit them with a little bit of element of surprise. And then you get Arkansas in Starkville, well, and then Tulane in Starkville. Well. And I think if you look at it right now, best-case scenario, obviously, is 4-0. But I think that is very much attainable. I think three and one is the, the minimum. I think that has to be the floor in in the month of September. Mississippi State needs to be no worse than three and one, but you should be four and zero. You should be four and zero. This North Carolina State team uh, not expected to do a whole lot. And again, you get them early. I'd like to get them early before they kind of get some things figured out. But uh, this is a team too that you know that they have. Uh, they have had their share of struggles. They had their share of injuries, and you know, but that's part of the game. It's one thing that I read so much about is people say, "Well, if it hadn't been for this kid getting hurt," you know, that's why you have depth. It's the whole thing that you you can't subscribe to those excuses. NC State four and eight this year, four and eight, and uh, well, they had some games that were somewhat competitive. Most of the games down the stretch were not. Lose at Boston College, 45-24. Lose at Wake, 44-10. Lose at Clemson, or pardon me, lose at home to Clemson, 55-10. No shame in that. And then lose to Louisville, 34-20. And then Georgia Tech, who was not very good, beat them 28-26. And then you lose on senior day, 41-10. Uh, that's who Mississippi State is going to take on next year. That's going to be game two. And I think that is a very, very good Week two opponent for Mississippi State again should be 4 0. We get into the month of October though. This is the month that will define our season. That's why we again we got to get fat early because we got to we get AM at Alabama at LSU and then Auburn comes here. I don't think right now if you had to pick those games, I don't know that anybody would pick Mississippi State to win those games. The good thing is is that the two two teams that you would ordinarily say, these two teams are always more talented than Mississippi State, they're on your road games. That's your road schedule. That's Alabama-LSU. But based on what's happening at LSU, who knows where they're going to be midway through the year. Then you get A&M and Auburn, and I think those are are generally toss-up games. We beat those two teams in 2018 right here in Stark Vegas. And uh, we've had the better of AM when they've come up here. And, I, th- I wrote honestly, I thought the worst we played the entire year, I know everybody talks about Auburn, but consistently on defense. We were so bad against AM. We couldn't get lined up right. We couldn't fit a gap. That's got to get better. Kellen Mond is uh, not an elite quarterback. He is a very average quarterback. And if we can make him become a decision maker, he'll give us the ball game. But you can't let the guy just get out there and go through his first options. And we did a lot against A&M. And then that Auburn team coming in here. I still think Bo Nix is going to be a star, but it's going to be a different year with that offensive line. It's going to be a different year with that with that front seven. Then we get Mizzou that comes in here. Then we travel to Kentucky. I am not a Kentucky fan. I've shared that with you guys more than once. I don't think I think Kentucky is uh, one of those teams that uh, that the media overinflates every year. They had one. They've had really one great year and. Uh, Hopefully, Lynn Bowden will go ahead and declare for the draft. But, uh, you know, that's a road trip that we need to go be able to win. You know, one of the things, too, I think one of the reasons those games have been competitive, and people forget the fact that we have dominated this series for the better part of a decade, uh, is that Mark Stoops has kind of built the defense to stop the spread option. We're not going to be running the spread option. We're going to be getting the ball out quick, and I think that's going to negate a lot of their pass rush. We're going to be doing things a lot different with the air raid. And so I don't know that that Kentucky defensive unit will look quite the same against Mississippi State as it has the last decade because we have run so much of that spread option type offense stuff against them. So it's going to be different because they run some odd man fronts. They do some different things up there. Stoops a great defensive minded coach, but it's going to be a different deal next year. So you, you got to get Missouri, uh, you, you got to get Kentucky, you got Alabama, and then you, and then you got Ole Miss. And so if you begin to look at this thing, you ought to be able to roll the football out there and win seven games. You know, it's like I see these, some of these people forecasting, well, Steve, I think it's a four-win year next year. You know, we'll go sit down and talk to a doctor because I don't see that. I don't see how in the world that people can say, well, it's going to be four wins next year. And I, well, that schedule, run, run it down again. New Mexico won two games this year. North Carolina State won four. I don't even know that Arkansas was going to fill the team. You know, Tulane, that's, that's going to – we ought to be able to out-talent those guys, but they're going to come in here and they're going to be ready to play. I mean, Fritz Hill's done a great job down there. But you ought to be able to win all four of those games in September. And even if you go 0 for October, you've got a chance to close with a strong November. And so I feel confident that will be a solid ball team. Again, let's say you win seven next year, you know. Uh, but you ought to be able to, to be okay. You know, you ought to be able to put this thing together. And so, I understand season ticket sales are already going. People are excited about that. I'm excited about that. I wish we could start playing tomorrow. We'll have a chance to talk all about that stuff here in the, in the coming days. I want to thank the uh, fine folks in Amory, Mississippi. I was there uh, yesterday for the uh, Rotary Club and a signing day event or a book signing event. Pardon me. We've got a few other things going on here um, in the next couple weeks. So this coming Tuesday evening, I will be in Booneville, Mississippi, from 630 to 930. That'll be at the Prentice County Extension Service with the Mississippi State Alumni Association. Please come out. Books will be available for purchase. We'll have a meal together. We'll talk. We'll visit. We'll celebrate Mississippi State. And then on Thursday, I will be at the Craft Republic Bar and Grill in Memphis, Tennessee, That'll be a, a 6.30 to around 8 deal. We're going to have a little book signing. We're going to hang out, watch some basketball together, have a Mississippi State women's basketball party, and uh, that'll be cool. And then on uh, Thursday, January 30th, I will be in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Looking forward to making that trip. Many of you have uh, requested that date, uh, that location. That'll be Thursday, January thirtieth, 30th, 30th at the District Brews. That'll begin at 6 p.m. Also going to be a uh, book signing and social event. So you come out and say hello. So we're going to be all over the place. We're going to be, again, Boonville on Tuesday, Memphis this coming Thursday, and then the following Thursday will be in Birmingham. And uh, if you would like to book an event, please reach out to me. I can put you in contact with the people to handle all that. We're about to book some, uh, some more local signings in conjunction with other Mississippi State sporting events. So we'll have that coming up. And uh, if if you can't make a signing event or you can't get to town, and that happens, you can order the book at starkvillainsthebook.com. Please go order those. You know, support the show. Uh, The book is doing exceptionally well. Still waiting to see where it is on the bestseller list for this week. It has been on the bestseller list every week since release. Currently number two on the bestseller list. Excited about that. And uh, ready to get going on the next one. And one of the things that I have learned when I have traveled and visited with you all is that our folks have a real appreciation for our history. And uh, I've really enjoyed being able to document some of those great moments in Mississippi State Athletics. And I continue to do that, plan to do that uh, for the foreseeable future. So uh, look forward to more books, look forward to more signings. I encourage you, if you hadn't done so, go to jeanspage.com. And uh, we're currently running a 60% off special for annual subscriptions. So you buy the annual sub, at 60% off for the entire year. One fee right now. And uh, you Daddy Warbucks types, you got it for sure. want to remind you, Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of our show, they will take care of you. If you're looking for maroon and white fashions, you're looking for novelty items or memorabilia or anything to, to, to signify that you're a Mississippi State fan, you can find it at Campus Bookmark. Stand a Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there, they'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family in their eyes. And if you can't make it in there, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmark.net. And by being a Loyola Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over fifty bucks. Any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. I want to remind you too, we are under thirty days till the beginning of Mississippi State's baseball season. Got a lot of basketball left to play, but go ahead and begin to uh, make your plans to be with us Valentine's Day weekend, as Mississippi State will, will welcome Wright State to town. Uh, for a three-game series, I know a lot, a lot of people are thinking, you know, Steve, I'm going to go make that Oregon State thing. Uh, Oregon State's not even ranked. You know, this may be a good year to get Oregon State, but you know, we we know the kind of the caliber of program, and that's a huge marquee type opponent for Mississippi State to get Oregon State to come down here to agree to a series with us. Uh, so again, the first few uh, series in February, Wright State will be opening weekend. We'll get Samford here that Tuesday. And then that second weekend, we're going to have Oregon State here. And that's one of those national type deals. You know, there's so many people that, that, that kind of uh, have some negative things to say about the Southeastern Conference, about non-conference scheduling. And yeah, baseball, you know, we've had Oregon come in here, now Oregon State. Uh, we're not scared to schedule people. We had East Carolina come in for a midweek thing. State and both did. But that's going to be a big weekend for us. And then that next week, we got uh, two games at home, Texas Southern and Alcorn State before that uh, trip to Long Beach to close out the month. And so uh, excited about Mississippi State baseball. As we get a little closer, we'll start previewing the team. But offensively, we have a chance to be one of the elite teams in the country. And so if we can get the weekend pitching that we hope for, we believe we've got a real chance to make a solid run. Uh, to Omaha again and for those of you that have kind of kept up Mississippi State baseball for a while you know we have never been to Omaha three years in a row we have a team this year that is capable of doing that there's some of those things Mississippi State fans can appreciate a lot of times we get to the end of a, of a talent cycle and we'd have to kind of recalibrate and then just kind of hope to get in the tournament and get hot late but this is a team now that is projected to be a top 10 team. We're a consensus top 10 team in the preseason polls. And uh, and for good reason. This is a team that's very experienced. Guys like Tanner Allen, Jordan Westberg, Josh Hatcher, Justin Foscue. Uh, They don't know what it's like to end their seasons anywhere other than Omaha. So the expectation is to get back to Omaha. It's a very, very talented team. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of find out who we have and what we've got going on here in the coming weeks. But, uh, again, eager to have you guys back out at Duty Noble Field. You know, last year we had a chance to work out all the kinks, and, uh, you know, it'll be an even better fan experience this year. As great as it was last year, it'll be even better this year. And, uh, you know, last year we were all captivated by Jake Mangum's pursuit of the SEC uh, career hits record. We accomplished that, something we'll probably never forget. And then, of course, the Super Regional win against Stanford that sent us to Omaha. I remember sitting there that evening after it was all over with thinking, I'm about to go to Omaha. I'm about to pack the car and go to Omaha, Nebraska. And Mississippi State has got as good a chance as anybody to go up there and win a national championship. We didn't. But it was one of the greatest summers of my life. And uh, I'm ready to do it all again. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to get back to Omaha and Ameritrade and uh, see the Diamond Dogs play again. I watched more college baseball that weekend. Uh, I don't. I don't think I missed a game. I think I made every single game, even the games that Mississippi State didn't play in, because the experience meant so much to me. Because I have so much reverence and respect for the game of college baseball, and the people that cover college baseball. It's just a different deal, you know. There's so many people that have so many hot takes out there, and everybody's so hypercritical and that sort of stuff. It's a different fraternity among college baseball writers. I mean, people have a real respect for the for the people involved. And I remember, you know, Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fitt and those guys and uh, Teddy Cahill and to, to, hear the college coaches, you know, he'll hear Mike Martin, those guys say, Hey, thank you guys for your coverage of college baseball. It's a different deal. It's not an over publicized sport. And so I think there are, it's a bit of a niche sport in many respects, but I don't think you ever get overexposed in college baseball. And so my hope is, is that we get a chance to cover another, memorable season and some great things happen and we begin to look at this and say you know what mississippi state is back and we're going to remain back but until next time let's all live our lives we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live